The very funny, Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney has a new show, everyone. It is called John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that will stream live on Netflix live during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. Yes, it is a comically unconventional show that will feature special guests. I'm very excited for this. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A. debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time only on Netflix. Love starts with you. You heard me. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that set a shining example for the world to see. From big feelings to small messages, beautiful hand-finished jewelry from Pandora radiates with your love from every angle. Pandora has a huge selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms. There are endless ways to show what's in your heart. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora. Be love. Hello, everyone. Hi, you guys. We are still on vacation. It's just a wonderful time to be home and with our families. But you know, we always like to pop in and say hi. It is almost a new year. (gasps) 2022. O-M-G. I know. Where does the time go? I don't know. I don't know. Well, listen, Ange, I thought it would be fun, since we're approaching a new year, Mm -hmm. to do a little deep dive on the history of New Year's. Oh, no way. Yes. (gasps) I can't wait. I'm getting a cup of tea. I'm settling in. Okay. So here's what I found out from my three to four articles that I Googled. In America... Uh We celebrate the new year with a celebration that sort of encompasses December 31st into January 1st. Yes. That's our big New Year's celebration. And you can take down your tree after that. Oh, we can? That's what I'm telling you. I leave mine up till after New Year's. Well, we usually do too, but... I'm just telling you out there. It's okay if it's up after New Year's. Have you ever had your tree up until like February? (gasps) How late? Like, what's the latest? Have you met my husband? It's would, coming down on January would, 2nd. He would pack it up on the 26th if I didn't stop him. That is true. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen. The earliest recorded New Year's festivities date back 4,000 years to ancient Babylon. Mm. However, they did not celebrate on December 31st, January 1st, because the calendar wasn't sort of the same calendar. They celebrated on the vernal equinox. And that is the day in late March when there is an equal amount of sunlight and darkness. That was their new year? That was their new year on that day. Babylon crazy. So in general, civilizations around the world developed calendars that would pin the new year either on like an agricultural event or on an astronomical event. Okay. So in Egypt, for example, the year began with the annual flooding of the Nile— And the rising star, Sirius. Okay. The first day of the Chinese New Year occurred with the second moon after the winter solstice. Okay. The early Roman calendar consisted of 10 months and 304 days, and the New Year also began at the vernal equinox. But guess what happened? What? Their calendar got out of sync with the sun. Huh? Yeah. So in order to realign the Roman calendar with the sun— Julius Caesar consulted with all these astronomers and mathematicians, and in the year 46 BC, he added 90 days to the year. Can you imagine? 
can you imagine it's like it's 46 BC, you feel like, what if you've had a tough year? Yeah. And you're like, it's almost over. I mean, it's almost Ugh. a new year. And then Julius Caesar is like, guys, we're going to add 90 days to the calendar. You know what I can't stop thinking about is how did they get the word out? Because like, let's just talk about, you know, for example, our kids' school when there's something like a soccer game changes and the emails you get and the texts you get. But what if you're not on the text thread and then you show up at soccer practice and it's not that day? How did they get the word out? I don't know. I feel like people were showing up for work and they're like, no, 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 dude, dude, dude. We got like 90 more days of vacay like or something. They're like, no, 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 no. Actually, that was last year. That was last year. This is the new year. What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, the Roman Empire was vast. How did they? It was a lot of scrolls. A lot of scrolls in different languages. Did they do like, hear ye, hear ye, news on the street? Yeah. 90 more days of the year. Yeah. I don't know. know. I just feel like there's someone that showed up to work and, you know, they were like thinking it was one year, but it was the other year. I I mean, can you imagine the paperwork problems? I don't know. Well, listen, he called this new calendar the Julian calendar. Of course he would. Of course. And he also declared that January 1st would be the first day of the year. He named January in honor of the god Janus, and he wanted to give Janus the honor of starting the whole calendar. So Julius Caesar is the reason why our New Year's in January? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. However, we don't use the Julian calendar anymore. We actually use the Gregorian calendar, but it's very similar, and they also consider January 1st the first day of the year. So that's kind of how we got to January 1st. In the United States, we have the Times Square ball drop. That's our big tradition. Yes, I worked it with Carson Daly one year. I can't believe you did that. I froze my was it so tiny cold? off. Yes. I was so cold. It was really fun. I can't believe I did it because I hate being cold, but I did it. That is epic. That is an epic like thing as a performer, mm-hmm. as a comedian, actor to be part of that celebration. Live TV is terrifying. Well, this tradition has been going on since 1907. The ball started as a 700-pound orb made out of iron, wood, and 100 light bulbs. Only 100. Now it's like the Griswolds (laughs) house in that Christmas vacation movie. It is now 12 feet in diameter. It is 12,000 pounds. It is covered in LED lights and Waterford crystal. Fancy. Very fancy. So that's it. Those are your, like, little New Year's tidbits. You can... Bring those out at your party this year and sound very knowledgeable about the new year. Well, I loved that, Jenna. I loved every single second. We will be back next week with an all-new episode. It's extra long. Yes. We will be breaking down the 100th episode of The Office, Company Picnic. Am I good or bad at volleyball? We'll tell you. Before we go, one final reminder to please vote for us for the iHeart Podcast of the Year Award. We'd really love to win. Yes. You vote on Twitter by tweeting three hashtags. Hashtag Office Ladies, hashtag Podcast of the Year, hashtag iHeart Podcast Awards. The voting closes on January 2nd. Yes. Tell your friends, have a little tweeting party and vote for us. All right. Let's re-listen to Traveling Salesmen, also known as... The Larry and Marjorie episode. Yes, laundry and betrayal. Come on. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 
I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office Rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. Hi, everybody. So if you um, see a photo of us podcasting, I am now in my husband's closet. Those are not my baseball hats. That is his baseball hat collection. I like to wear baseball hats. You do. You you are sort of like a baseball hat family. I feel like all of your all of your family loves baseball hats. Oh, lady, one Christmas we were trying to find a family photo that we could put on our Christmas card, and I couldn't find one where one of us wasn't wearing a hat. <laughs> and so we decided to make it a bit, and we did a collage of the, just a baseball hat Christmas card. My mother-in-law was mortified mortified she's like why are you all in hats yes baseball hats for your formal christmas card but yeah it was like an inside joke we're a hat family we would fit in very well in josh's closet i guess is what i'm saying i think you would (laughs) by the way side note your christmas cards are always awesome my favorite and i have it hanging up in the kitchen still is the one where you guys are all holding sunny your cat Oh, yes. That was another fun collage. We had a good time with that. Lee has Sonny on his head. I'm holding Sonny upside down. It was a good one. Thanks, lady. You guys have a floppy cat, and floppy cats are so great in photos. My cats would have, like, shredded our heads like if we tried that. <laughs> okay, okay. So here we go. What are we doing today, Jenna? Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 12, Traveling Salesmen. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I rewatched this one and The Return with my kids. We all snuggled up in bed and watched them. They were laughing hysterically. Well, Angela, it's a good thing you watched those together. I did too, because they were actually created to be kind of one big episode to be watched together. And that is why they were written by three writers, Mike Schur, Lee Eisenberg, and Gene Stupnitsky. And both of those episodes were directed by Greg Daniels. All right, Jenna, well, why don't you hit us with a summary? All right. So in Traveling Salesman, because that's the episode we're covering today, Dwight covers for Angela after she misses an important deadline. The sales team all pair up for sales calls, but at the same time, Angela uncharacteristically invites Pam to coffee and then discusses her love life (laughs) in code, but she discusses her love life. (laughs) And then upon the return of the sales team, Michael learns that Dwight went to corporate behind his back. He doesn't know why. Dwight quits Dunder Mifflin. Yes. And then Karen finds out that Jim once had a thing for Pam. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. Phyllis, man, spilled the beans. I know, Phyllis. Phyllis. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I bet you have some really good fast facts. Well, you know I do because you know that we got something. (laughs) We did. (laughs) All right, so here's what we got. All right, fast fact number one. Like I said, both this and the next episode, The Return, were written and treated like one big episode. They were both directed by Greg Daniels. What did we do, Ange? Tell everybody what we did. We reached out to Greg, and he sent in audio clips, and they are fantastic. And now Jenna and I want him to send in audio clips every single week. (laughs) Yes. 
His audio clips are so good, you guys. We're giddy about them. So the first thing we asked him was, what was the inspiration for this episode? And here is what he had to say. Traveling Salesman and The Return uh, is a little two-episode arc that we did as part of the working out of the merger of the two branches stories. Um, Andy was always conceived in Gay Witch Hunt uh, to be the Stanford version of Dwight. So it was natural that they butt heads when the branches merged. Um, and we liked the idea that, that Dwight, um, as the hometown favorite, gets to have a really strong and romantic arc here. Uh, you see a very noble side of him protecting the woman that he loves. Um, and I think one of the reasons we made it two episodes was it didn't uh, didn't feel real to me or earned to have him leave and come back in, in only one episode. So it just felt a lot better to spread it out over two. And another part about that storyline was um, that it was pairings and you know, a writing exercise that I often did with the writers was I'd have them try and come up with pairings of characters that we hadn't had scenes together before. And so this entire episode was fun pairings like Ryan and Stanley or Phyllis and Karen. Um, and and uh, of course, Angela and Pam, who have a great emotional storyline where they really are kind of growing as as friends. And, and it was really cool to see Jim and Dwight, too, um, and see their backstory. And then the other thing about Traveling Salesman was we used uh, in the client, we used being good at sales to make Michael more likable. And right, you know, in Traveling Salesman, you see a whole bunch of different characters and how they are as salespeople. And you see how how great Jim and Dwight work together and Michael being like a straight man for Andy, who's just terrible. Um, and so it, it kind of helps distinguish the more likable original Dwight versus the more sinister, schemy, uh, you know, new Dwight. Keep talking. Talk forever, Greg. <laughs> Greg, talk forever. It's so fascinating. I love that not only were there these new pairings of characters, but also of writers. It's just so interesting. Yes. Yes, Ange. And so much comes out in this episode when you put these different people together for the first time, really. Yeah. Uh, so, you guys, I don't know if we need to start some sort of a petition, but we really want to create <laughs> oh, a no. new feature of the show called Inspiration with Greg. And he will yes. send us an audio clip of the inspiration behind every episode. And there's like piano music. Greg will tell us the inspiration. And then Kent tells us the nuts and bolts of how he made that inspiration happen. Greg is listening right now. And is like, ladies, what are you signing me up for? Exactly. What is fast fact number two? Well, Angela, speaking of Kentopedia, fast fact number two is called locations, locations, locations. So for this episode, because we actually shot it in conjunction with the return, we did something called crossboarding. It's a little lingo that they use in the biz. Lingo alert! Show this <laughs> lingo alert! So crossboarding is when you shoot two episodes at once. We normally shot one episode each week, but we shot these episodes over a 10-day period from October 16th, 2006 to October 27th, 2006. 
And the main reason for this was because of locations. We just had a lot of places to go in these two episodes and having the flexibility to shoot it over a two-week period was really helpful. Yes, and they would also do a thing, you guys. They call it shooting out a location. So for example, every scene that happened in that coffee shop They would film in one day and then they could close out that location. They don't have to pay for that location for multiple days. So sometimes when you cross board, it's a great way to save money because you can shoot out a location. Yes. Have we bored you to tears (laughs) with a little behind the scenes lingo? Lingo alert, shoot out a location. (laughs) So since you brought up the coffee shop, Angela, we had a fan question from Brianna Kernan. Harshita Verma and Molly Ottawa, did Pam and Angela go to the same coffee shop that Jim and Karen end up going to later? And is the coffee shop location the same one used in later episodes? Yes. Yes and yes. Yes and yes. And here's a little tidbit, Jenna. I don't know if you remember that coffee shop was next door to the place we filmed the tattoo parlor scene. What? Yes, an upcoming episode with Andy, that tattoo parlor was next to the coffee shop. It must be some little strip mall that Ken just had good favor with. So he was like, okay, we'll take that. We'll take that. Well, here's what Kent told me. He said the coffee shop was a real location. We filmed at a place called Java Groove Coffee. It was on Victory Boulevard in Van Nuys. Yes. However, it has been closed and replaced by a printing company. So I'm sorry if you come to L.A., you cannot get a cup of coffee anymore at Java Groove Coffee. Well, we'll have to find out if they can get a tattoo next door still. Yes, perhaps. What a fun (laughs) office set tour that would be. You could go see the outside of Dunder Mifflin, grab a cup of coffee and get a tattoo. I mean, if you're a diehard fan, right? Yep. But now you can just get something printed and then get a tattoo. All right. Well, I am not done talking about Fast Fact number two, Angela. Oh, I'm sorry. There's more locations. We have so many more locations. This is a question from Kylan Hadley and Jordan Simpson. Were all the sets that the salesman traveled to local office buildings or were they built in the warehouse set like the fancy Stanford branch was? All right. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. They were not a set. They were a location, but they were all the same location. Here's what they did. The building where Jim and Dwight are in the parking lot and Dwight's like pumping himself up. That was in Van Nuys. It was at the Panorama Medical Plaza. Plaza, St. Louis. Was it at the plaza? It was at the plaza. Oh, my gosh. That's so St. Louis. Saints. Oh, my gosh. I have a St. Louis catch later in the episode, but that's that's the first one. Plaza. Plaza. So at the Panorama Medical Plaza... They found a completely (laughs) vacant floor, and they dressed five different spaces to be the various offices that everyone visits. Isn't that amazing? They took one location and made it five different places, but there's more. Oh, more? So you know how we said we shot these two episodes together? In the next episode, The Return, at the beginning, you see Dwight going around with his resume Two of those offices were also part of the Panorama Medical Building. That plaza covered a lot of ground, lady. So much plaza. 
So one thing, the church scenes with Stanley and Ryan, those were filmed at the Panorama Presbyterian Church on Roscoe. So that was another separate location. And then there's even Staples, but we'll talk about that next week. So many locations. So many. All right. I think we've covered all the locations. Let's move on to fast fact number three. Another fan question. Okay. Guys, we love your questions. They are so helpful in structuring the podcast. Thank you. All right. Fan question. Rachel Labish and Rebecca Kelly said... I noticed a weird discrepancy between the Netflix episodes and the DVD episodes. In the DVD episodes, there is a whole subplot about Pam winning an art contest. In the Netflix version of the episode, the whole thing is cut out. I haven't been able to find anything online about it. Do you know why this is? Ladies, that is a fantastic question because this whole podcast almost went haywire. Because Jenna was watching the Netflix episode and I was watching the DVD episode and they're totally different. Angela and I were so confused because we were trying to outline this episode and there were all these scenes that Angela was talking about that I remembered shooting, Angela, but that weren't in the version I was watching. Yeah. So I started digging around and here is what I found out. On March 15th, 2007... NBC aired a repeat of this episode, but they didn't want to air an exact repeat. They wanted to get more viewers, so they called it a new Pete. A A new new Pete? Pete. You know, when they would run repeats, they wouldn't get as many viewers, which meant fewer ad dollars for commercials, right? Because that's how networks make money. So they thought if we add a new Pete where it's Mostly the old episode, but then some stuff you've never seen before. Maybe it would up the viewership. And that's why there are now like these two different versions of this episode living out in the world. Because of some somebody in marketing at NBC came up with this new Pete idea. I don't think we ever did that again. I think this is our one and only new Pete. Am I right? Well, I guess it happens again in season four. Oh. When Phyllis tells Jim about her house that Bob bought her. It's on the DVD, but it's cut out of the Netflix version. So here's what's on the DVD. First of all, Traveling Salesman and The Return are one episode on the DVD. They're not two episodes. They're one, like, supersized, huge episode. Crazy, right? Crazy. But in The Traveling Salesman, these are the scenes you missed if you watched it on Netflix. Pam gets a phone call that a watercolor she made won a sixth grade elementary school art contest. I remember shooting it. These sixth graders picked your art. You were really excited. You won $100. You were really excited to tell Kevin about it. Kevin's like, yeah, well, I won $400 betting on a Celtics game. And you were like, okay, thanks for that, Kevin. And then she tells Angela, Pam is just desperate to tell someone that her art won. And no one's in the office. They're all out on a sales call. So she pops up over the partition. Jenna, we have one of those classic over the partition, Angela and Pam scenes. And she tells Angela, and Angela has all this good favor in her heart towards Pam right now. You know, they've gone and got coffee. They've bonded. And so Angela goes, congratulations. And then she says, I really like having these little moments with you. And then she offers Pam 
one of her kittens, Sprinkles has had kittens, and she offers Pam the dominant male named Ash. And Pam clearly does not want this cat. She makes up excuses. She's like, oh, you know, my landlord, it's just, I, it's a thing. And, you know, it'd be, I don't know. And Angela is like... F you. She instantly goes back to being just this cold, snarky person to Pam. That's it. Their friendship's over. It was so fleeting. And then lastly, when Jim finally comes back from his sales call, Pam is so excited to tell him. And he's on his way out to have coffee with Karen. And Pam's like, Jim. And he starts talking to her about it. And Karen's like, um, <clears throat> we're going to get coffee. So it was this awkward moment. I remember shooting all of that. Here's the other thing I found really interesting. So in the opening scene of the Netflix version, it's Harvey, the computer, right? Yeah. Talking to Jim. That's in the deleted scenes on the DVD. That's not even in the episode. Oh, so I because I was wondering, well, what did they cut out of the episode in order to make room for Pam's art contest. So there must be things, when they aired this on NBC, there must be things missing. In the deleted scenes on the DVD, there's a lot of extra scenes in the cars driving. Yeah. Lots of extra driving scenes. And then there's this Harvey the Talking Computer. That's a deleted scene. Wow. So there you go. We are going to be following along the Netflix airing. Because that way our time codes will match up. But that's what you will get if you go to the DVDs. I love it. I love it. I feel like I'm really happy with all of that. I think we should take a break and then come back and break down the episode. Sounds great. So this winter, we went on a little ski trip with another family and we got an Airbnb, which was so wonderful, right? Because... You can make your own breakfast in the morning. We could even go there for lunch to warm up. Listen, I always want a kitchen with kids. Yep. I don't want to call room service for some sliced apples. I want to have my groceries. I need a kitchen. Yes. Well, this is why doing the Airbnb thing was so perfect. Yep. Well, this family we were staying with told us that they listed their house on Airbnb back in California. Oh, that's so smart. I know a lot of people that do this. It's like, oh, we want to go to Disneyland. We can Airbnb our place and then use that money to go. It pays for your trip. Yep. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can use Squarespace to create a website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to time, all in one place. Well, we've told you before that we use Squarespace for our Office Ladies website, and it is so user-friendly, so easy to use. We are not tech people, and we could not be happier with our experience. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash officeladies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we all carry around different stressors. Some are big, some are small. I know I keep mine kind of bottled up. And it can start to affect us. 
Well, therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can finally get a chance to talk about all those stressors. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OfficeLadies today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OfficeLadies. All right, we're back. Let's dive right in this episode. Michael is really excited to show Jim and Pam his new computer. It's his buddy, his talking friend, Harvey. Oh, my gosh. And basically, he types into the keyboard and then Harvey says stuff. Yes. And he's made the back of the computer like a face, like he used some post-it notes. Like he's, anyway, Harvey is this talking computer. Well, we got a fan question from Bailey Aspenson, Becky Gemmel, Megan Keel, Chelsea Lane, and Alyssa Sorensen. Everyone wants to know who is the voice of Harvey? Oh, that's a great question. Who is it? I recognized it immediately. (gasps) And did you recognize it, Angela? Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, no. (laughs) I as soon as I heard the voice, I was like, oh, it's Mike Schur. Oh, my gosh. That's such a great catch. So I emailed him and he was like, yes, it's me. I was Harvey. So he he's the one that said me so horny. Me love you long, Tim. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And Pam's like, oh, I'd love to meet long Tim. The way you and John played off Steve in that scene made me laugh so hard because Michael just gets so frustrated that you guys aren't thinking his talking computer is amazing. Well, some people notice that when we cut away to Michael's screen, what he's been typing doesn't quite match with what you've been hearing. That's just because the scene was longer. And we actually did have Harvey say all those lines and we had lines, but then in the editing room, they cut some of them out. So the screen was indicative of the scene as written and it got a little trimmed down in the editing room. So that's why his screen doesn't quite match. Some really good fan catches right away. I know. All right. So now, Angela, we move over to accounting. And Kevin tells Angela that corporate did not receive their tax forms. But Angela says, no, no, they arrived this morning and he wants you to know how very important this is. Angela, here's what I wrote down when I watched this scene. What? WTF is up with your hair. (laughs) Why do you have a flower of hair on the back of your head? Guys, like I'm, I am going to I took a picture and I'm going to post it because it's insanity. What is happening? When we got the script, um, Kim Ferry and I started talking. Kim is who did our hair. And we were like, you know, Angela is happy in this episode. Now, she starts out in the morning a little worried. Right. Did Dwight make it? Is everything going to be OK? But she's a lady in love and her man has done this amazingly gallant thing for her. And I feel like she's sort of dressing the part of like this lady in love. She's wearing her Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation mini short sleeve jacket. That's made a callback. (laughs) And she did a little something extra fancy with her hair. Kim and I just thought maybe she's just uh, she's taking it up a notch. 
Yeah. She turned her hair into a pinwheel flower. And clearly she has eight arms and multiple mirrors because how do you do that to the back of your head? Well, when I saw that hair, all I could think about was, oh my gosh, she couldn't lay down during her breaks. Because sometimes at lunch, I would want to, you know, lay back after I eat, maybe snooze it out because we would get up real early. Sometimes I need a little snooze at lunch. But you, you couldn't do that that week, I guess. Couldn't lay on that. That would be so uncomfortable. I couldn't even lean back on a chair, lady. I couldn't even recline in any way. Guys, check it out. You don't have to look hard. It's insane. It's also amazing. We had a lot of people write in. Julia Lee, Bethany Devish, Kaylee Waiting, Anita Prasad. They all said Angela's hair looks incredible in this episode. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now we're going to come up onto this talking head that Rashida actually mentioned when she was a guest on Benihana, where Andy talks about him and Karen being the last two left standing, right? And and Andy says he's not going to be one of the kids touring Willy Wonka's factory. He will not fall into the chocolate river. I loved that reference. I loved it too. But all I could think about, Jenna, is that he does fall into the lake. When? At beach games. Totally forgot that. He falls into the lake. He's in a giant sumo suit and he floats on by. And I couldn't help but think, what an amazing, like, callback to the Willy Wonka River thing. I don't know. I thought that was kind of fun. Oh, my God. Yeah, I totally. Yes, I'm so sorry. It's all coming back to me. We'll get to it when we talk about beach games. But yes, Ed slowly floating away. I remember it now so clearly. So, Angela, now you're standing at reception, you're getting yourself some jelly beans, and Dwight comes in. It's so sweet. He lets you know the tax forms have been delivered. Yeah. You guys are kind of talking in code, but of course, Pam is clocking it all. And then as you walk away, you say, I don't want these, and you leave the jelly beans. We had a fan question. Okay. Allie Joe. Higginbotham says, did Angela improv that line, I don't want these, to Pam after she took the jelly beans? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, The note that Greg had given me in that scene is that, you know, I'm so anxious to talk to Dwight to find out that everything went okay, but I had to make some business for myself. Like, why would I be at reception? So I decided to kind of dig in the jelly beans. I just sort of was like, oh, this is what I'll do. So I was digging in the jelly beans and I put a few in my hand throughout the scene. And then as Dwight walked away, I just had them in my hand. So I just placed them on the countertop like your kid would. I don't want this. Yes. <laughs> and just walked away. And it just tickled us so much. And they left it in. But the part I love even more, Jenna, is your look. Your look of like, it, it said so much to me in the moment. It said, People leave their water bottles and their trash on my desk. All the time. After you would leave the jelly beans, I added a little bit that got cut out. And probably it should have been cut out because it just would have gone on forever. But I would find all these various ways to get rid of the jelly beans. So I remember one time I picked up the trash can and I scooched them into the trash can using a piece of paper. And another time I like took a tissue and I picked them up with a tissue 
And um, another time, I think I picked them up and put them back in the jelly bean container. Ew. But I had, I know, I had all these ways that I got rid of these jelly beans. And I had a good time with that. None of them made it in, of course, but it was just kind of like a fun little bit we were doing. So should we move into the conference room now, Angela? Oh, yeah, because somebody needs to pass the tardy sauce. Yes, the entire sales team is assembled in the conference room and Dwight comes in late. So Andy is such a tool. Oh, my gosh. So at the beginning of this scene... Michael explains that this is his dream team. This is my dream sales team. And we're going to pair up and go on some sales calls. And we had a fan question from Holly Enerson. Holly Enerson says, Phyllis blows her nose right after Michael says, this is my dream team. Was that scripted? I wondered the same thing because it's brilliant. The timing is so perfect. It's so perfect. Yes, it was scripted. Amazing. Here is the script direction. Quote, the camera pans to bored faces of the sales team. Phyllis blows her nose. <laughs> and, you know, I got uh, guys, I this is a little moment because I watched it several times. It's so great. Phyllis gets out her little tissue. She sniffles a little bit and then she blows her nose. Like, she times it perfectly, but she starts the bit a little early. And I think that's what sells making it look so organic. It's it's really wonderful work. Little details. Phyllis, man, with the tissue work. So everyone gets paired up. Yes, we get Karen and Phyllis and Ryan and Stanley, Dwight and Jim, and Michael and Andy. Now they're going to go out and be in cars together all day. I couldn't wait. I remember when we got the script, Jenna, at the table read, when I saw like the groupings, I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun. Well, there's a Ryan talking head in here that makes me laugh so hard. Because you are now Ryan in real life. I am now Ryan. I love it that he said he's flattered to be Stanley's second choice after pass. (laughs) After pass. Stanley got to pick his partner and his first response was pass. Pass. And his second response was, I guess I'll take the kid. (laughs) Well, I wanted to uh, talk really quickly about Jim's talking head. He holds up that photo of Dwight and Jim, like the old photo, because they clearly they clearly have been on a ton of sales calls together. Right. And it shows their history a little bit, which I love. But in the DVD commentary, Rain said that his hair in that photo was from 1991. He was on tour with an acting company doing Romeo and Juliet, and they all had long Elizabethan hair. <laughs> and they sort of, they sort of like photoshopped it onto current Dwight, but they left that big hair. I just thought it was hilarious. I love that detail. <laughs> I know. So now they're all in the parking lot. They're paired up into their teams. They're about to get in their cars and go. Michael tosses Dwight his dirty laundry, which is a callback to the coup. I love it when our show does this. And we have a few in this episode. But this is a callback to the coup. And now he tells them all to circle up and he's going to give them their marching orders. Yeah. So then Michael says, guys, let's let's go out on our sales calls. This is it's like the we're the amazing race. And everyone's like, how are we the amazing race? Is there a prize? He's like, no, there's no prize, but we're the amazing race. And he keeps gives everybody these team names. 
And everyone's very confused. And then Michael just gets frustrated. He's like, just go on your sales call. (laughs) But I love that he brought up the amazing race. This was a really, really popular reality show at the time. And I was a huge fan. Jenna, we were so into it. I remember you and I watching The Amazing Race. And then, Jenna, do you remember how you and I were like, we should go on. We should be a team on Amazing Race together. I stand by that. I think we should. I think we we would have been amazing. I think we would have been a total mess. Why? <laughs> Why? Because, because I think you would be like, let's go, let's go. And I'd be like, can we just take a break? Maybe we'll have a glass of wine. You'd be like, yeah, yeah. Also... I can't eat any of that gross stuff, lady. I can't eat the gross stuff. Well, this is the problem. I think we would both have some of the same weaknesses. I think we couldn't eat the gross stuff, and maybe neither one of us would have great upper body strength for some of the, like, things where you have to, like, like toss bales of hay down a maze or something. How about zero upper body strength? Yeah. Like, zero. So maybe we wouldn't have been such a great team, but we would have had fun. I think we would have had fun. I think we would have had one colossal meltdown and then a fight and then we would have cried and then we'd laugh hysterically. We'd look like like crazy people, but we would have had fun. I tell you what, we would have been good TV. Oh, my God. We would have been great TV. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, we actually asked Greg about this amazing race moment and here's what he had to say. Um, the, the comparison to Amazing Race was fun because it's a reality. We were a reality based comedy show. It was a lot easier for the visual look of the show to be able to try and do references to other reality shows rather than movies, for instance. So the there's like a Titanic rest reference in Booze Cruise, but I don't think it, it, it works as visually well as uh, Amazing Race reference for for here. Yeah, it totally makes sense to me, though. I think Michael is such a fan of pop culture and television and film. Like he wants any opportunity for his documentary of this paper company, whatever this is, this camera crew that follows him around. He thinks he's on par with the entertainment of the day. Yes, yes. Well, so now everyone gets in their cars and we kind of start driving around And Angela, speaking of driving, we had a lot of questions about how we pulled off these driving shots. Amy Jackson, Deandra Tassone, Holly E., TJ McMillan, William Burke, and many more people all asked, how did filming work for the driving scenes? Are you guys actually driving or is there a green screen? What cameras were used in the car scenes? And are the actors really driving around? Well, first of all, the actors really are driving around. That is not a green screen. And then we went to Greg and we asked him to talk a little bit about what it was like to shoot people in the cars. And here's what he had to say. One of the things I had noticed uh, in production was how easy it was to shoot in a car for, for our show. You just basically put the two characters in the car and set up lipstick cameras and drove around and improvised a lot. And so... Um, The idea for Traveling Salesman was we could get a lot of production value out of getting out of the office and it wouldn't be too hard for us to do. We just tricked out these cars um, and they would go off. So we have a little lingo alert there when Greg talks about lipstick cameras. Those are itty bitty tiny cameras that they would put up in our visors in the car. 
at an angle and one would shoot one passenger and one would shoot the other passenger. And we would just literally do what Greg said. We would just drive around and we would have a little walkie talkie in the car and there would be a car either in front of us or behind us that had the crew, the director, a sound person. They could hear us. They could see us on a little like mobile video screen and they would talk to us over the walkie talkie and they would say, oh, that was great. We're going to do that again. And then we would just drive around. They would have police cars. Remember the police cars, Ange? Well, yeah, we had um, like the motor motorcycle police guys, too, who would sort of be in the front and we'd have this path that was cleared for us so that, you know, we wouldn't have to um, drive or around people who didn't know we were filming. Right. So it was safe. Um, and we would just basically make a loop, usually in one neighborhood. We'd just make the same loop over and over. Yeah, that was a whole thing that Kent Sabornak, a.k.a. Kentopedia, he would have to clear that. He'd have to call the highway patrol or the police, and they would give us a zone that we were allowed to use for a certain period of time on that day. And uh, we would just loop around. And it was always difficult in Los Angeles to find a loop that didn't have any palm trees. So we yes. we tend to film in the same neighborhoods over and over because clearly they found trees that looked possibly East Coast-ish, you know? Yes. So we, we got to know these loops very well. Um, one of the things Dave Rogers said in the DVD commentary is that this was the first time that we used the lipstick cameras in the cars. Previously, when we had done driving scenes, one of our camera operators, Randall or Matt, would be scrunched in the back seat with a camera. And, you know, I noticed the video quality was a little different on the lipstick cameras when I was watching it. It's not quite as crisp as a matte camera or a Randall camera. Look at you, Miss Techie. You got a yeah. tech alert there? Look at I you. I noticed it. Oh. I did. So let's talk about all of these cars and all they're driving around. Well, the first scene we really see is Andy and Michael, and Andy is determined to use this one-on-one time with Michael to chip away at Dwight, right? He's going to undermine him. He asks about the laundry. Michael tells him that Dwight went to corporate to try to get his job. And oh my gosh, Andy is like so happy to get this information. Yes, he's going to spend this whole episode slowly chipping away at Dwight's reputation. Yeah. Well, then we see Phyllis. She pulls into a beauty salon. Her and Karen are going to get some super glam makeovers. We don't know why. It looks like when you used to go to the mall to glamour shots. Did you ever do that? I never did glamour shots, but my sister Emily did. Yes, I never did it either, but my sister Tina did. And they they gave her this enormous hairdo, like this bouffant hairdo and all this makeup. And I think like a feather boa. That was common. That was common. And they would shoot you on a green screen and then sort of insert different backgrounds, if I remember correctly. Like the Eiffel Tower. Okay, so that is what this makeover looks like. That might be like an old tech alert. Does Glamour Shots still exist? I don't think so, lady. I don't think so. I think the era of the selfie and the iPhone, there aren't And the filters. And the filters. Glamour Shots are no more. Well... Then we also have Ryan and Stanley, and Ryan asked Stanley if he could take the lead on this sales call, and Stanley is like, nothing would delight me more. Oh, Stanley knows something, and he's tickled. He can't wait. Oh, can't wait. We will find out why in a little bit. So now, 
Back at the office, while all this driving around is happening, Angela invites Pam to coffee. Yes. And Pam was like, what? But okay. Now, on a personal note, I was thrilled to do this scene. You and I never got to do scenes together, let alone go on a location together. We were giddy, Jenna. We couldn't wait. So some of that smiling and happiness you see in Angela Martin is just me being happy that I get to do a scene with my BFF. And I get to be normal. I get to smile and not be snarky. <laughs> it was so, we were so excited, Angela, when we got this script. Yeah. Was, all of my scenes are basically with you. Yeah, we had the same work day. And then we had a few days off. It was like, we were like, woohoo. It was kind of like BFF week. Yeah. For us. Well, some people pointed out that at the end of the scene, Pam grabs a notebook and People were wondering, why is Pam bringing a notebook to coffee? Is she going to take notes on Angela? No. No, you guys, there was a line that got cut out. Pam says to Angela, you know what? I'll go around and take some coffee orders. I'll see I'll see if anybody wants anything. Yes, this is in the deleted scenes. She goes around. Meredith gets really angry at you. She's like, why would I pay $4 for milk and a cup? And she like, gets all yeah, angry. Yeah, her and Creed get real cranky, right? Yeah, they get real cranky about the fancy coffee orders. And there is a scene, Jenna, that just will break your heart because when we come back with the coffee, it's clear that Toby only ordered coffee so he could have some interaction with Pam. But when she comes back with all the coffees and she's passing them around... She just hands it to Kelly, who then takes it to Toby. And Toby just looks at Pam through the glass partition from the annex. And he just he just puts the coffee in the trash. He didn't even get Aww. to talk to her. Aw, Toby. Poor Toby. Toby. So sad. Well, Ange, in the script, there is a scene where Pam is taking Toby's coffee order. Oh, yeah? That's not in the deleted scenes. Yeah, and he orders a chai latte. And Pam says, oh my gosh, that's my coffee order. And he's like, oh, really? It is? Oh, we have the same <laughs> coffee order. Yeah. Aww. So not only does he not get his coffee delivered by Pam, he ordered a coffee he didn't even really drink just to have something in common with her. Toby. Wah, wah. stalking Pam and in love with her. So now, you guys, we're in the parking lot, and Dwight wants to amp himself up. He's got to get pumped for this sales call. Jim knows they have been on countless sales calls. He's like, you still do the thing? And Dwight's like, just give me the keys. And then he plays like, I don't know, what is it, like Motley Crue or something? And yeah, once again, we see, we see Dwight like rocking out doing air guitar to heavy metal, like punching the seat to get ready. Yes. Yeah. This is their, this is his routine, I guess. Yeah, and Jim knows it. They're like old roommates. He's like, here we go. I stand out here. He does air guitar. <laughs> so he is amped up because then when they're walking into the building, Dwight has to be Dwight. And he's like, you go in first because he doesn't want to get attacked from behind. Seven out of 10 attacks are from the rear. Right. And Jim is like, well, what about the other 30%? And Dwight's like, I'd block it. I'd block it. You can't get me. And then in like mid-sentence, Jim just hauls off and smacks Dwight. And he is shocked. He can't believe he's been attacked from the front. He can't believe it. Also, he's about to break. Rain is about to laugh. You can totally see it. 
at eight minutes, 50 seconds, Rain is about to laugh. Oh, 100%. 100%. Well, we had a fan question from Rachel Fortune. Was Jim supposed to slap Dwight as they walk in the building? Because Rain looked truly shocked. Well, guys, this was a scripted moment. But there's a reason why Rain was surprised, even though it was scripted. And we asked Greg about it. Here's what he had to say. So some people asked about the the Jim slapping Dwight moment. So, um, you know, it's fun to think of the two of them uh, as being teamed up earlier in their career. And we we gave it kind of an Abbott and Costello comedy team feel, um, you know, where Jim is like stopping short. So Dwight hits his head and um and usually these little moments involve some comeuppance for Dwight. And I remember John came up to me right before we were going to shoot the part where he, he uh, hits Dwight in the face. And he said that he wanted to hit Rain for real a little bit harder than they had worked out just to get a, a good startle out of him. And I can't recall whether Rain was in on this, but just didn't want to know which take. But we kind of worked out which take he was going to do. And... Um, and I, I'm pretty sure we used the one where Rain was really startled that John had hit him. So here's the deal. On the DVD commentary, Rain and John talk in depth about this moment. And Rain asked John to hit him harder. He was like, I want you to hit me hard. And here's the thing about Rain. He's very method, you guys. When I slapped him, remember in Casino Night? Yeah. He said to me, Ange, you got to slap me harder. Really slap me. So in the DVD commentary, John was like, remember, Rain, you were like, slap me harder. And I was like, OK. And of course, that's the take they use because Rain was legitimately like, oh, and then he almost started laughing. Well, you can totally tell that he was taken aback. You yeah. can. And it ends up making a scripted moment look unscripted. But it was definitely scripted. I remember it said something like Dwight gets smacked in the head by <laughs> Jim. And, you know, we would always have stunt coordinators come in anytime we had to put our hands on another actor, even if it was something that might be considered small, like a slap. And they actually teach you how to hit someone with your palm in this certain sort of cupped way. So it makes a louder noise or it looks more violent than it really is. And so, you know, we always had that training in us as well. So I guess I should say... Rain was not hurt in the execution of this, but he was certainly shocked. Well, it worked and it cracked Rain up and everyone else. And that's the take they picked. So, lady, where are we? Are we going into some sales calls? We are. We're about to go into all these sales meetings, but why don't we take a break and then we'll pick up right there in just a moment. Yeah. Listen to this because this sounds amazing to me. Ready? Okay. In a world that stops for no one, with life dominated by screens, there's still a place filled with endless reasons to put the phone down and pick up life. Doesn't that sound lovely? Where are we talking about? South Dakota. That's where Lee was born! Really? South Dakota! How did I not know that? I don't know. I didn't know he was born in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. He has family there. Well, South Dakota is a great place to vacation and adventure, you can get worlds away from home in the Badlands, find peace among the pines in the Black Hills, and unwind with each bend of the Missouri River. And if you're looking for love, you might find a Lee there. Oh, my gosh. Made a good fella, South Dakota did. 
From Sioux Falls to Deadwood, you'll find yourself getting lost in a place that brings you closer to the world around you. You can immerse yourself in the creativity of both contemporary and traditional crafts. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at TravelSouthDakota.com. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed to connect with candidates faster by scheduling, screening, and messaging. And Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 23 hires were made on Indeed every minute, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Just go to Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back. Let's talk about all of these sales meetings. Yes. I think the first one is Michael and Andy. And Jenna, once again, we see that Michael is a good salesman. He knows how to connect with people. He really does. He really does. He doesn't know how to be someone's boss. That is his failing. He thinks that he's supposed to entertain you as a boss. Yeah. But he does know how to connect with people one-on-one. And he really connects with this guy over fishing. He compliments the fish that he caught. And it's a callback to Lake Wallenpawpack. Love a callback. Love a callback. And then Andy's like, yeah, my dad has a bayliner, whatever he says. I shot a shark. I mean, if you were a true fisherman, the idea of shooting a fish in any way is so off-putting. There's sort of a an art to fishing. And a lot of people even do like the throwback, you know, if they're fishing on a lake. So you could just tell this really was off-putting to this man. Angela, do you know all of that because of your ex-boyfriend that made you watch Bassmasters? Oh, God, you had to bring up. (laughs) I want to tell you, Angela, after we talked about Bassmasters on the podcast, they sent us each a little goodie bag of stuff. And one of the things that they sent us, it was so sweet. They just said, hey, thanks for talking about us. It was totally organic and random. But they sent me this journal. A leather-bound journal. It's so nice. A leather-bound journal that says Bassmasters on it. And I love it. It is my new favorite journal. So now, because of your ex-boyfriend making you watch Bassmasters and you bringing it up on this podcast, I now journal in a Bassmasters journal. That is what has happened. Well, you're welcome. And Kyle says you're welcome. That was his name. Well, thank you, Kyle. Oh, no. It's out there. Oh, uh, boy. Um, yeah. Well, Bassmaster sent me a hoodie that I love. And I walk around with my Bassmaster's hoodie. Yeah. So here's the thing. There's a great little moment in the DVD commentary about this scene where Ed says that he and Steve did go off script in this scene. And the actor that plays the man, they're, you know, the, the business owner they're talking to, 
was not really ready for them to go off script. He wasn't. Oh, dear. And he just gave them this sort of odd, quizzical look, like, what are you talking about? And Dave Rogers is in this commentary, and he goes, but it was perfect. So that look you see this man giving Michael and Andy, like, what? Is really earnest. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I love that tidbit. Well, guys, the actor who plays the client that Michael and Andy are talking to is named Warren Sweeney. So, Warren, while you were surprised, your look worked. It totally worked. Well, then we cut to the car and you can tell Michael is not pleased with Andy, but Andy turns it around and he's like, I'm so sorry for screwing up our sales call. I really shrewded it. Yeah. That's what we say around the office when someone really screws up. We say they shrewded it. And then he's like, I wonder, wonder how that name came up. I wonder if it's because of Dwight. And Michael gives him nothing. Michael's like, well, who knows how words are formed? Like, he's not getting it. And Andy's getting so frustrated. Andy is planting all these seeds that Dwight is an idiot. And Michael is not getting it. It's awesome. So let's now talk about Phyllis and Karen's meeting. They get a very large order from this gentleman. Oh, this is my St. Louis catch. All right. This is around. okay. This is around 11 minutes, 33 seconds. And Phyllis goes, well, thanks. That's a big order. She doesn't say order. That's a big order. It says like ardor. Yeah, that's right in line with Fark. Oh, St. Louis catch. And then and then she asks how his wife is doing. And he shows a photo of himself and his wife on vacation. And they look just like her. The same hair, the same makeup. And Karen's like, ah, I see yeah. what you're doing, Phyllis. Very smart. Okay, we've got to talk about Dwight and Jim in their sales call because Jenna, they clearly have a whole shtick. Yes. I loved it. It's so seamless. Yes. I want you to know my kids laugh so hard when Dwight, when he's making the call and he's going seven, three, (laughs) we're cracking up. Well, I don't know about you, Angela, but I hate those like robocall customer service lines so much that I I just like immediately when they come up, I'm like, agent, speak to a speak to pharmacist, agent. I I won't even say any numbers. I'm like, I I, I can't. I can't. Jenna, I have such a fond memory of my dad. <laughs> it's weird, you know, when you when someone you love so much passes away. Um, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer here in this moment, because this is a happy memory for me. But it's interesting the things your brain latches onto and holds dear, things you would never, ever expect. But I have such a vivid memory of my dad on the phone with clearly like some kind of like robot. And he's he's this, you know, he was just this sweet cowboy, you know, Southern guy. And he was going, five. No. Yes. Talk to person. Person. (laughs) And then like whatever the password was. Tractor. Tractor. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I love that, Ange. I I love that you shared that. Uh, it, it, uh, It made me think of him. It's weird. It's weird the way 
your brain works like that. Your brain and your heart. Yeah. Okay, so yes, yeah, so Dwight is doing this call. We don't know who he's calling. And Jim presses on with his sales pitch, right? Yeah, through all of this. And the guy is like, listen, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, I just maybe feel more comfortable with the with a bigger company with one of the big guys. And they're like, well, is customer service important to you? And he's like, it's very important. And he's like, well, we've been on hold with the customer service department of a big company. Oh, and there's the switch. Aha, there was a whole purpose. And then he calls Dunder Mifflin customer service and Kelly answers. I was like, hey, oh my God, what are you guys doing? (laughs) Yes, yes, so amazing. And then the guy is like, sold. Sold. I'll give you my business. Sold. And Dwight hands him his business card. And Jenna, I love what's on Dwight's business card. His cell number, his pager number, his home number, and his other pager number. Yeah. And then he says, I take no days off. I've never been sick. And I don't celebrate any major holidays. And he's like, okay, okay, I got it. Interesting tech alert. His email was not on his business card, Jenna. Huh. Nowadays, I think your email would be on there. For sure. For sure. But we shot this in the Stone Age. So now Ryan and Stanley go into the church for their sales call. And these four older, very sort of like dignified black men in their suits walk out to him. They're clearly an older generation. They're Stanley's generation. And there's this young white kid who, Jenna, I don't think I don't think Ryan's been in a church in a while. No, and we've established that the way all these sales calls are successful is by people connecting with their client in some personal way. And we quickly see that Ryan is going to have a hard time connecting with these gentlemen. And he just sort of starts stammering. And he yeah. just keeps introducing himself over and over again. Hi. 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 And Hi. I, I love that Stanley's like, I'm not helping you. In fact, I'm just going to ignore you. I'm going to turn away and do my crossword <laughs> and let you just... What's the expression to know where just you flap in the wind? Blow in the wind? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. He's just going to hang him out to dry there. It's so good. I was able to find out the names of two of the clients, but I couldn't find names for the other guys. But Landon H. Lewis Jr. and Leon Simmons Jr. are two of the clients in that scene. I also loved how all of the men in the scene were so much taller than BJ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it really also made him just look so young, you know? Yeah. Next to them. Just the size difference. Yes. And then later when they're in the car, Angela, Stanley cannot stop laughing. There are all these shots that go back to them driving back to Dunder Mifflin. And Stanley is just like, can't believe he's so delighted by how that went and so tickled it clearly made his day i don't know that stanley gets much joy out of working at dunder mifflin but this was a real (laughs) highlight for him and there's this moment that leslie talks about in the dvd he said in the script it was just that stanley is driving and laughing and they just kind of let him go and he improvised the whole thing about hi hi you sounded like my six-month-old niece and like all of that leslie was just riffing Oh, that was so good. I know. And he said, in fact, whenever Stanley would go off on Ryan, as he has throughout the show, they would just let Leslie just go. And I think there's some amazing moments. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, you know, and this is Ryan's second sales call now that has not gone well. 
Remember, he went on the initiation sales call with Dwight. They did not make the sale. And now he's gone out on this call with Stanley. Now, I believe Stanley's going to save this sale. Oh, Stanley for sure saved it. Okay, so while all of these sales meetings are happening, Pam and Angela are at the coffee shop. Angela is in such a great mood, and she's telling Pam a story about how she had this friend who was in need, and this gallant man came to her rescue. Yeah. She's like, he must really care for her a lot because he did this wonderful thing for my friend. Yeah, she's talking in code. <laughs> she's speaking in code. She's like, my friend, let's let's call her Noelle. And uh, this gallant gentleman, we'll call him Kurt. Well, we all know that Kurt is Dwight's middle name, right? Yes. And we got a lot of fan questions about this, Angela. Kenzie B., Elizabeth R., Julia Lee, Nicole Fink, and Katie Krull all want to know when Angela refers to her friend Noel, is that because Noel is Angela's middle name? It definitely sounds like a very Angela Martin middle name. Well, yes, it is Angela's middle name. Angela thinks she's being really savvy, but Pam totally knows who she's talking about. But yes, that is her middle name. But Jenna, I have a question for you. Okay. Is Noelle in the script? Because I have a little story about that middle name, and I'm curious. I think what was in the script was Colette. Okay. I looked this up, Mm -hmm. and in the script... Angela actually says this. She says, well, a friend of mine, let's just call her, oh, let's just call her me. What? And then you giggle. Okay. So my memory of this is when we were shooting it that day, that the writers were pitching me different middle names, like different things to say. I know in one of them, it was Colette. I have such a memory of saying that. And... And then we said Noel, and I like Noel the best because it sounds very sort of Angela Martin, doesn't it? Her love of Christmas, her love of the story of Christmas, that Noel would be her middle name, and that's the one we went with. And Dave Rogers talks about it in the DVD commentary, and he goes, I, I remember it being Colette, and he thought maybe I improvised Noel, but I didn't. That was a writer's pitch. I mean, I, I think I was part of the dialogue. I think we were pitching names, but that all sort of happened in the moment. I love it. It's perfect. It's it is perfect. such an Angela Noel Martin. And I believe that will appear on your wedding invitation. Oh, yeah. It's now it's now part of my character's show Bible. We had another fan catch in this scene, Angela. Sarah Rouse wrote in to say, Pam is holding a piece of paper at the coffee shop. What is that supposed to be? And what does it say? Well, Sarah, that was the list of coffee orders from those <laughs> deleted scenes. Yes. I had all the coffee orders written down on that piece of paper, and I was going to use it to make my order. Well, Angela, also in this scene... Just because we were talking about it earlier, your flower hairdo is on full display. Just if you really want some great shots of it, guys, here it is. Her WTF hairdo right here. <laughs> WTF. Well, wait, wait. I have something to share. So while we were on a break, I had been texting Kim Ferry about this hair and she texted back. And so this is what she had to say about it. 
I said, oh, my gosh, it's a real time tidbit. It's a real time tidbit. It just came in a few minutes ago. Um, I said, Kim, what was the inspiration for this bun? (laughs) I mean, I I know that we thought my character was going to like be in a great mood. And so we wanted to try something new. She said, yes, here is the inspiration. She said, my first job in the business was working on a sci-fi show called Babylon 5. I worked on this show for five years and I couldn't use any contemporary hairstyles because they wanted the hairstyles to look futuristic. So I started coming up with all these different kind of braids and, and buns with wires and fancy updos and Zulu knots, basically anything different that I could think of. And your bun with those fun swirls was a good one for me because I had done it on Babylon 5. It's fast and easy, but technically, this is a sci-fi hairstyle. Oh my gosh. Isn't that great? Don't you feel like Dwight would have loved it because he was Mr. Sci-Fi? Yes. Yes. No wonder she did her hair in this Babylon 5 hairstyle to thank Dwight for his, like, favor. (laughs) Yeah. So, yes, this hairstyle inspired by Babylon 5. It's the sci-fi bun. I don't think I could love that more. Kim Ferry, thank you for the real-time tidbit. Thank you, Kim Ferry. (laughs) Sam just wrote, Beats, Bears, Babylon 5. (laughs) Beats, oh, wait, here we go. Bears, Beats, Babylon 5, Buns. Oh, okay. So now everybody is coming back from their sales calls. Everyone's done. And we have this amazing scene in the car with Karen and Phyllis. Phyllis is so good in this scene because you guys, she is going to reveal such a big plot point and she just throws it away, right? It's not like belabored in any way. It's so perfect. Yeah. She's like, Karen, I I had a lot of fun with you today. I really enjoy spending time with you. They're bonding. They feel good. And then she just very offhandedly says, and I'm really glad you're with Jim. It makes me really happy because, you know, he was really hung up on Pam for such a long time. And she's she's not even looking at Karen. She's looking in a rearview mirror. She's turning. She's just driving. She's sort of saying something off the cuff. And yeah. it's that much more powerful. And then Rashida, oh my gosh, her reaction is so perfect. It's a fantastic scene. Fantastic scene. I feel like her pulse stops for a second. Like, I feel like I can see the wind go out of her, right? Yeah. Yes, She's just I like, do too. <gasps> you just, you see it hit her like a freight train, but she can't react Yeah. The way it's really hitting her. It's so well done. These ladies did such a great job. I agree. Yes. Well, Andy is the first person to actually get back to the office. And he starts, he starts sneaking around Dwight's desk. He goes through his car. Yeah. Andy is a total sneak. I mean, what the heck? I know. And he finds this toll booth receipt that proves that Dwight was in New York this morning. He didn't oversleep like he claimed. And he marches into Michael's office and he's like, I found this toll booth receipt. I wonder what he was doing. Was he, maybe he was talking to Jan. And then he says like, I seem to kind of remember. I don't know who told me this, even though, Jenna, this was like (laughs) 
like an hour ago. He's like, I don't know yeah. who told me this. It was something. And then he has maybe one of my favorite quotes of this episode. He was like, there's a story, I don't know, it was about laundry and betrayal. In my mind, this is now a Lifetime movie called Laundry and Betrayal. I want to see it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Laundry and Betrayal. I want to see this film. I do, too. Well, so Michael calls Jan. And Jan is like, well, I didn't speak to Dwight, but he did not give a reason for why he was here. Yes, this is my kid's favorite part. My kid's favorite part is Jan goes, he did sign into the security sign-in sheet, but understate your business, he wrote, beeswax, not yours, incorporated. (laughs) I love that, too. My kids loved that. Well, when Dwight gets back to the office, Michael confronts him. He's like, where were you? Tell me where you were. And Dwight will not say. He won't say where he was. He overslept. The damn rooster didn't crow. Yeah, but he will not, um, he will not fess up and this becomes a problem. And Pam knows why. Pam and Angela are exchanging looks. Angela is sweating it. She's horrified that Dwight's going through this, but she doesn't want people to know about them. It's very layered emotionally for Angela. Well, it leads to a break room scene with Dwight and Angela where you are again not facing one another, one of your famous famous break room scenes there's a little bit of heartbreak in the break room in this scene oh lady i noticed it too here's what we had my mama knit me a sexy sweater i thought my life would get so much better but all i got that afternoon was heartbreak in the break room that was by michelle ferguson michelle you know how much we love that song. We love it. Yeah. Michelle, I literally listen to it all the time. Uh, it's super catchy. It's very I really, catchy. I, I really love it. Someone give this woman a music contract. <laughs> we'll buy it. Okay. <laughs> we love it. Yeah. So Dwight is like, listen, why don't we just come clean and, you know, let people know our love for one another? So this scene actually went on. It's not in the deleted scenes, but we did shoot a little bit longer of a version where as I cry... Behind me, Dwight's like, don't cry, monkey. Monkeys don't cry. Aw, I kind of wish that was still in there. I know, I know. Well, Angela, a few people wrote in about this scene because they noted that when you start dating Andy, you have no problem with everyone in the office knowing it. Oh, well, Angela revenge dates Andy, you guys. Andy's not her true love that she wants to protect and keep all to herself because it's so special. She's starting to date Andy because she's mad as hell at Dwight. Right. Very different motivation. Right. In the meantime, Karen and Jim have gone to coffee. And Karen is going to ask Jim if he had feelings for Pam. And lady, I have a clip. Sam, play the clip because everything you need to know is right here, Karen. Why couldn't you hear it? Let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you ever have a thing for Pam? Pam? Did I ever have a thing for her? No. Why? Did she just something? It's so clear. That's all you need to know, Karen. He clearly has a thing for her. But... Oh, poor Karen. She, you know, he convinces her that he doesn't. 
Maybe he's not ready to admit it, right? And she is not ready to really see truth, but you know down deep she knows. Well, lady, she says, I moved here. Yeah. I moved here. And I think that's the part of Karen that doesn't want to see the truth because it's a little humiliating to deal with the fact that you moved somewhere for the wrong person. Exactly. We all have a friend who has moved somewhere for someone and then it didn't work out. It's devastating. But then they hang on to it because they moved. Yeah. And it's like you want you're willing it to be right, even though, you know, it's wrong. So this is the moment where I know we've been coming down kind of hard on wishy-washy Jim, but this is the moment where Karen is now not reading the signals. No, no. So, Ange, should we go back to Dunder Mifflin to this grand announcement from Dwight? Yes. I mean, he makes this huge, like, speech, and basically he's like, I'm quitting, so I quit. Yeah, he quits. Rather than reveal his secret about his relationship with Angela and where he was this morning, he quits. Dwight leaves. He gives Michael his box of things. He does keep his Dwight bobblehead. I'll let you know. Of course. Um, There is a deleted scene where he goes around and gives us all items from the box. Jenna, it's very funny. I remember shooting that. Yeah. And then he walks out and he does his salute. It's the same salute from the initiation. Nice little callback there. And Dwight is gone. Yeah. And Angela, he has a line that, oh my gosh, he says in a talking head as he's leaving, there's this line where he said, I really believed I was going to die in that chair. That he was so committed to Dunder Mifflin, he thought he would die in his sales chair. I mean, oh, I have no doubt that's ultimately how it ends for Dwight someday. If the yes, series would have we, gone, yeah, in fan fiction, if you write the end, I, yes. I see Dwight's funeral like, you know, have you ever heard of these these funeral homes that would stage family members doing their favorite activity? No, I have never, I have never heard of a funeral where a person is staged doing their favorite activity. So like, for example, if you love fishing, since we've been talking about fishing, yes, the person would be staged like in a boat with a fishing rod. Yes, I saw a show. I saw a show all about it. Don't ask me. <laughs> I think I was like just channel surfing looking for something. But like, it's, it's like a thing you can get. And they have devices that prop people up and things. But like, let's say you love surfing. You'd be posed on your surfboard. It's a real thing. And then instead of like a wake where they come and view the body and you're in the casket, like, and you say your goodbye, you're on your surfboard. Well, I, if if it were me, I guess I would be propped up maybe watching TV, eating a bowl of frozen yogurt or making bread. And you can come say goodbye to me. I'd be, um, you know, hanging my hummingbird feeder and holding a glass of wine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Angela, I, now I want this for your funeral. No. If I outlive you, if no. I outlive you, no, I am no, going to pose no. you with a hummingbird feeder in one hand and a glass of rosé in the other. And I'm going to come say goodbye to you. I will talk to you. For hours. Please, please have it be a real hummingbird feeder with real hummingbird food, and maybe they'll come take a drink while I'm standing oh, there. Oh, 
Please. Okay. Oh. Okay. Done it, and done. So, but yes. yes, I guess your point was that perhaps Dwight's funeral, he would have been staged at his Dunder Mifflin desk. Okay. Taking a sales wow. call. <laughs> at the funeral home, there's even a lookbook that you can flip through. Oh, yeah. I'll take um exhibit A at the desk typing on the keyboard pose. Wow. I feel like you could do some real passive aggressive stuff with this. Like oh, no. whoever is in charge of your funeral. You could be like, oh, you want to know Larry's favorite activity? I'll tell you what it was. It was Marjorie. <laughs> I and was then say, it was. <laughs> so I posed him holding his. <laughs> <laughs> God, why is that cracking me up so much? Be like, what? People come for the funeral. They're like, what is going on? And we're like, Larry's favorite activity. Being a to Marjorie online. Yeah. So there it is. That's Marjorie's Marjorie's picture on the computer. That's him (laughs) holding a schmingy. I paid $5,000 for this. you larry oh my god okay oh my goodness okay listen and marjorie meanwhile marjorie's like i didn't know anyone knew i i oh my god my god marjorie's husband joe is like super shocked he's like marge what's hey it's all in laundry and betrayal on lifetime (laughs) 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 we just wrote our script lady the big reveal at the funeral (laughs) okay 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 so now now we have this amazing we have to get it together okay oh my god okay now we have this amazing andy talking head it's a willy wonka callback it's awesome it goes a little something like oompa loompa dippity dawesome dwight is now gone which is totally awesome yeah I was like, who wrote this talking head? Who wrote It's so good. And in the DVD commentary, they said it was Mike Schur. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Ed said that Mike was in the room with him when he was doing his talking head and they were riffing around and and they found this one. And I, it's so it's so perfect. And then, of course, Angela, in the background of this talking head, the camera finds you hovering in the background, giving a death stare. Oh, yeah. Death stare. I remember this so vividly. So Greg was like, Angela, I really want you to glare, like really be angry. Just like Andy is going down. You hate him. Glare at him. So I did. And he came up to me and he was like, can you give me more? I was like, what? He was like, even harder. I want you to, I I just need the death stare of all death stares. I did it again. He's like, Angela, even more. I wrote about it in my journal. I said, Greg kept saying, one more time, Angela, more mad, more. By the end, my eyeballs were shaking in my head. I wrote down, Angela, did you get a headache? Yes. I had the sci-fi bun. I was giving the super death stare. And truly, by the end, I think you can ever so slightly see me shaking. That's how, like angry my stare is that I'm like I was curious if you like popped a blood vessel in your eyeball or something it is so intense I was about to I'm not kidding it is a great way to end the episode 
I do have a fan question, Angela. Okay. And I don't mean to unravel the entire plot of this show. What? But it's a good question. Okay. It comes from Grace D. And she says, why couldn't Angela just bring her own tax forms to corporate? She has too many cats, Grace. Well, and also we know from the deleted scenes, some one of her cats just had a, a litter of kittens that she's dealing with. That was my first thought too, Angela. I was kind of stumped by that at first. And I was like, yeah, why didn't Angela just go to New York herself? But then I was like, no, she probably has... She probably gets up very early and has like a 90-minute cat routine she has to do every morning. Yes. Putting ointment on eyes and medicines and grooming, right? Yes, and getting the litter boxes ready for the day and setting out food for all of them. I think she has a full morning before she gets to work, and especially if she had a litter of kittens. And I think she was probably stressing out and going through this whole list with Dwight, and he just said, I'll take them. Don't worry. I'll do it. I'll do it. Yes, that's right. The choices for Dwight were take the forms to New York or do the cat care list. And he was like, I choose forms to New York. Yeah. But good question, Grace. I thought valid question. Valid question. Valid question. Well, lady, that is Traveling Salesman. Next week, we head into the return. Yes, and the return is the return for several people. And it's such a fun episode. So we will see you next week. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our producer is Cody Fisher. Our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.